All right, and welcome back to another episode of Joel's Mind. Today, we are talking about mental health. It is May. It is Mental Health Awareness Month, and um, there is no better way to end off the month with some mental health awareness. So today, I want to talk to you all about my depression. I want to talk about what I what I go through when I'm having an episode, um, along with you know breaking some stigmas and just talking about mental health um, overall, um, good, bad, just disorders, ways to combat that, and all that good stuff. So, um, so let's just dive right into it. Um, as some of y'all know, um, I uh, my my father recently just. Um, overcame cancer. Shout out to my dad. You're a real one. He's a walking legend. Um, I love you. Um, it's been, it's been hell. I ain't going to lie. The last several months, it's been difficult. It's been real fucking difficult. And I've been doing my best to show up every day and uh, be the best that I can be. And in all the buckets that I got going on, everything that I have on my plate, my work, my relationships, um, you know, my, my brotherhood, being a son, being being a, a partner, all of that, being a podcaster, uh, being a contributing member of society. It's been real difficult, people, and uh, it's it's been a challenge. Um, but, you know, we are at the end of the tunnel. And I'll tell you what, the light is bright, as, as bright as these lights in this room right now. So um, shout out my dad and shout out, a, shout out to Seattle Integrative Cancer Center Treatment that um, been been taking care of my pops. Um I'm glad we went with these people. Um, so just real quick, fuck cancer. Um, so my, uh, my one thing that one major obstacle that I encounter, um, throughout the year, um, and just throughout my life is depression. Um, you know, I, 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 I want to say I suffer from depression. Um, I'm not a victim of it by all means. Um, and, and you shouldn't feel that way either, but, um, I, I deal with depression. That's the best way I describe it is I deal with that motherfucker. A fucker is annoying, but you know, I do my best to deal with it. Uh, along with everything else that comes with, um, being human, you know, stress, anxiety, uh, mood, just, you know, being moody, mood disorders, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, um, let me go ahead and, and break down my depression. When I first, sought out to see a counselor. It was when I was in school, I was, um, transitioning from undergrad into grad. Uh, but at that point it wasn't quite there yet. Um, as in being accepted in grad school and man, I was really going through it. People, I was really, really going through it. I, um, I just couldn't think straight. You know, I just felt this, this weight on my chest. Like I couldn't really breathe. Like I just felt like I just, there was a lot of pressure around me literally. And, uh, my, my mind was just racing all the time. I was so indecisive and just so just high tense. And just like, I, I need to know, like someone just give me the answer. What do I do next in my, in my next steps of life? Do I decide to go to grad school to pursue being a mental health counselor or do I take a year off, take a couple of years off, go get some little experience, enjoy, you know, not being in school and then come back and do that. And, you know, so at the time I was what, 21, uh, 22, maybe. No, I wasn't 21. Giving myself too much credit. When did I graduate? 2017. 
So what's 2021? I'm 27. 2017. What's that? Four years ago. So what? 23, 24, 23. So I, was t- I graduated when I was 23. Uh, so I was 23 years old. I was, I was constantly asking myself about my life. Um, for those that are dedicated fathers, you know, you've heard me talk about my timeline, having a timeline, uh, trying to figure out what you want to do with your life. And I had that timeline, not entirely figured out, but I understood that the, my, the 10 years, my, that, that age between 20 and 30, I really was in a crossroads trying to figure out whether <clears throat> if I wanted to continue with, uh, going to school, I was burnt out. I wasn't, I was not ready for school. Um, like I, I shouldn't say I wasn't ready for school, but I wasn't, I was not a good student. So it took a lot out of me to just be an average student. I ain't going to lie. So, um, it, it, it took out a lot of me and I was tired people, you know, there's, there's days I was just like, man, I, I don't want to do this no more, but you know, I, I persevered, I prevailed and I, you know, didn't let the demons get a hold of me and keep me down. So, <clears throat> but it was, it wasn't all rain, rainbows and sunshine. I tell you that, um, so there I was, 23 years old, asking myself, Joel, what do you want to do with your life? You got a beautiful woman that you know you want to spend the rest of your life with. So, you know, you definitely want to, you want to propose to this lady at some point. Still haven't done that, but, you know, we're working on it. You know, I want to do that within, before I turn 30. I want to get married to this lady. I want to get, you know, I want to have a house with her. I want to, you know, have children. At that time, when we talked about children, our timeline was 25, 26. That's when... You know, we talked about, you know, that's when, that's when she wanted to have some kids. And I was just like, Hey, you know, I, that's what you want. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm that's, I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind. And, uh, man, it's just wild. I was just thinking about it now. I mean, we don't got kids either. So, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a fun story. So, you know, I'm like, man, I want to, I wanted to get in real estate. I wanted to get married. I want to have kids or at least, you know, that's on, that's all part of the timeline. I'm like, but if I do grad school now at 23 years old, 24, I think, I think actually was when I actually graduated. I was 20, I turned 24 that year. Um, the master's program that I was in, it was going to take me two years to get that done. So in my mind, I was telling myself, I graduate at the age of 24, I got two more years. So that means I'm going to graduate at age 26, at age 26. I'm going to be walking out of the educational system, um, with no experience to some degree. Not gonna have a real job until I'm 26 years old. 26 years old, and that that didn't sit well with me because then I was thinking about everything else. Well, what about real estate? What about getting married? What about having kids? What about doing this? Doing all that? As you can tell, I, I'm you know I'm a big overthinker. But I was like, you know, in order to have all those things, you need to have financial stability, and it was what I was telling myself. And so, like, how am I gonna get financial stability? Getting at walking out of 26 years old, having four years to enjoy a little more of my 20s. And then do all that. I was stressing out people. I didn't know what to do. And I wasn't doing that well in school. So like I was, I was getting burnt at both ends. I was trying to get, you know, get my grades up and do extracurricular activities. So that way I can get accepted into grad school. But all while trying to figure out if that's what I really actually wanted to do. It was really tough. I was being pulled every which way. So yeah. So there I was going through it. Um, and I, I just, I just, it was just, it was really tough. Like it was during that time, you know, I, I had a brief moment 
Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this, you know, I, I don't want to alarm anyone. I don't, I wouldn't call this suicidal thoughts, but you know, there was a brief moment where at one point I was like, you know what, my life would be much easier if I just wasn't here. Not saying I wanted to hurt myself or I was going to do that, but you know, that thought did run across my mind. It's like, things would just be easier if I didn't exist. So there I was, I was like, you know what, I need some help. I, I need to talk to someone. First time I called a counselor, I was nervous, people. I ain't going to lie. Can you, can you fathom that? Someone that wants to get into mental counseling, calling counselor for the first time. It's nervous, super nervous. So I called. You know, phone rings. It keeps on ringing. You know, I kind of, you know, felt the, the relief of that nervousness. And boom, voicemail. You know, leave your name, number. We'll get back to you whenever we can. So I'm like, all right, bet. I called, click. I was going to leave it at that. <clears throat> but I was like, no, nah, I can't, you can't do that, bro. You can't punk out like that. So I called again, knowing that they weren't going to answer. But I left a voicemail that time. I got a phone call back. We set up the appointment. We did all that. First day I walk in there, we do a little exam, you know, a little uh, ACE test, I believe. And um, that test, I don't remember the score, but that test basically had said, you know, I was suffering or dealing with uh, signs of depression. And I was I was more heavier on that uh, depression side, but it wasn't severe as if it was diagnosed as chronic depression or um, major depressive disorder. So it wasn't that severe, but it wasn't, you know, I definitely was going through some things. Um, and so I... Uh, I only saw this counselor twice. I know it's not it's not the greatest um, experience that you know I can really share with everyone. Um, but that those two those two sessions that I did have have stuck with me, and, and they've definitely have been around. Um, you know, it's something I still reflect back to, and you know, get some in insight from. Um, the lady was very nice, and. You know, we, we talked about some things. We talked about my life, talked about what was going on and and whatnot. And she actually recommended a book. And, and the reason why I I don't feel, I guess, you know, embarrassed or ashamed to share this story is because I actually left with a tool that I still use to this day. And let me, let me just reach for it real quick because I think I have it. Oh, uh, nope, I don't. I have it. Another shelf. There it is. <clears throat> All right, forgive me for the pause. But yes, um, she gave me this, uh, she recommended me get this book. Um, this book, it's called The Mindfulness and Acceptance Workbook for Depression. Um, this book, it's very, uh, it's very relatable. Um, in this, in this book, this, it's like, a, almost like a series. It goes more on depression. There's there's a book on anxiety, on PTSD, um, I believe split personality disorder. So this book, the structure of the book, is, it's cool. It breaks down what the disorder, the, the illness that you're going through, and then it you know talks about the steps on how to combat that and kind of what you're going through. And so I got a lot of help from this book, and you know. I don't think we ended up following up back um, on both ends because just those two sessions, those two sessions did really help 
And um, again, you know, I wasn't diagnosed with something very severe. I wasn't, I wouldn't even say I was diagnosed with depression, but I'm not going to sit here and say I don't have depression because I wasn't diagnosed with depression. I'm not going to kid myself, people. That's, that's part of, uh, you know, just being aware of, of who you are and what you encounter in your life. Um, it's just knowing what is out there. Um, so depression, the way I've, I've dealt with my depression and, and what I've been through with my depression it's been, it's, it's been cumbersome. It's been, it's been difficult, you know, depression, mental illnesses. Um, it's an invisible opponent, but that important opponent is also you to some degree. Um, it's, it's your brain, it's your, uh, your chemical uh, levels, um, your neuron levels and whatnot. It's your past experiences. It's, um, you know, the things you've gone through, your environment, um, the choices you've made. So although it is invisible, you can't necessarily attack it. You, you, you can. Um, and that's what makes it difficult, especially for myself. Um, it's, it, it's been hard. Um, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very observant person and, um, very analytical, especially when it comes to when I'm going through a, a depressive, um, episode, it's, it's, um, it's just, it's just different each time, but it's very similar. So it, it's not always the same, but you know, I'm sitting here, I can, I can sit here and tell you today, um, each time I feel like I've gained better traction than I did the time before when I was going through a depressive episode. Um, so the reason why I bring up my father and, and him, you know, beating his cancer, cause it's been, it's, it's, it's been heavy on me. Um, it's been heavy on my family. It's been heavy on the people that love us and, you know, care for us. Um, you know, life and death, it's inevitable. And it was something that we experienced as a family. So, um, it was difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, this time I, I definitely did the best that I can to observe myself and, um, try not to fall too far back because with any type of mental illness, that's, that's when, you know, you, you know, that's when the, the people in the white coats, as I like to say, you know, they, they label it because it becomes severe where it, it becomes an issue in your life and, um, your day to day activities. It prevents you from being who you, you, you would be when you're not going through what you're going through. Um, so it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, and especially dealing with like the definition of depression. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and pop open this book and just read you what they have as the definition of depression. Okay. So this, uh, book, it doesn't necessarily describe depression in a way that is, um, a scientific definition, but it breaks down, uh, depression in a way that, um, is interesting. So I'm going to go ahead and read that to you real quick. Depression never springs out in an, of an otherwise healthy, vital, purposeful life. Depression is not an aberration, a fluke, or an accident of nature. It is a logical result of where you're putting your life what you're putting into your life. Your depression is telling you something that you need to listen to. 
It's a signal that you need to spring into action and address the aspects of your life that are out of balance. And um, that's pretty cool. So <clears throat> there's, you know, there's different definitions of depression. Um, you know, you, you can Google it. Oxford Dictionary, Dictionary is going to come up and um, have its own definition. The, the sciencey world is going to have its own definition with a little twist to it. <clears throat> um, what I've learned is what, what is, you know, what does depression mean to me? What do I, how do I understand my depression? Um, you know, like I said before, you know, I wasn't really diagnosed with a severe depressive disorder or anything like that, but that doesn't mean I don't have depression. That doesn't mean I don't go through depressive episodes or just uh, states of mind or just time periods. Um, just like um, the book describes, it's a signal of being out of balance. Um, which, you know, I, I appreciate that because, you know, it's, it's something that I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to be willing to accept that my depression is, is going to be similar to others, but it's going to be my own, um, you know, and, and that's all right. Like, you know, that's, so makes us who, who we are and, it, you know, makes us, you know, that's part of our journey. So <clears throat> I, I just try to understand my depression and, you know, how others, stories and experiences and how they deal with it, you know, relate to mine and, you know, what I can take from what they share and implement that in my own, um, journey and obstacles and whatnot. <clears throat> what, what I try to do is I, I, I look at my depression in, in, in all circumstances and all different perspectives that, that I understand. And, um, you know, I do that in a, in a biological way. You know, I look at my sleep, my eating habits, um, my attitude, my energy levels, my weight. I, I use those as all indicators to to check in on Joel, see how Joel's doing. You know, if I'm seeing a huge, you know, fluctuation, I check on that. Is it me, you know, being gluttonous and just, you know, giving into the, that temptation of just, you know, being hungry? Or am I stressed out and I'm not eating throughout the day, so I end up gorging at the, at the end of the night because I'm just, I'm, I'm highly stressed and I'm just, I don't have an appetite. So I'm just going throughout the day, you know, trying to make it through, um, you know, my sleep and my energy levels as well. You know, is it me, you know, goofing off and you know, I shouldn't say goofing off, but like, is it me not being responsible and disciplined and, you know, going to bed at a certain time or is there, am I staying up late because I'm trying, am I being avoided? Am I avoiding something? Am I, am I, you know, staying away from a particular theme because, you know, I just, I don't have the energy to face it. <clears throat> so I, I, you know, I, I look at it in those, in that standpoint, you know, I, I look at it in a spiritual aspect as well. Um, you know, I, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, cast a stone at you if you didn't agree with me. I, that's all right. I'm just not what I'm here for. Um, but I do look at it as demons and, and the devil, you know, trying to, you know, trying to win and up one up me and, and try to, you know, lie, cheat and steal in my life. And <clears throat> I, I look at in that, you know, I, I ask myself, you know, how, how have I been spiritually? 
You know, is my faith still there? Have I been, you know, praying? Have I been, you know, walking that, that life that, you know, I, I believe in? If I'm straying away from the path, maybe it's, it's also that, you know, maybe it's, you know, me, you know, losing faith or, you know, being so distracted that my faith isn't being, you know, restored and being, you know, connected and staying there. Um, and so that's, that's another perspective that I like to look at, uh, you know, my depression and just kind of, you know, pinpoint, you know, what, what's going on, what's what, um, you know, I also look at it as an individual standpoint as well. Is it just me? Is it Joel just being Joel? Is Joel just being lazy? Is he having a lazy day? Is he being stubborn? Is he just, you know, throwing up his hands and saying, fuck it? You know, is Joel doing one of those? Or is, you know, is Joel doing something else? Is he is he being too ambitious and, and pinning too much on his plate? You know what I mean? Am I burning myself out by, you know, not setting boundaries and, and saying yes to everything and anything? You know, is it, is it just me, you know, and, and I also look at my, my willpower, you know, you know, am I punking out myself? Am I just, you know, giving myself excuses? You know, that's, that's what I look at. You know, I, I, you know, I, I try to assess and analyze my, my actions, my behaviors, um, and which is a funny thing. Cause you would think be like, well, Joe, you're living your day to day life. Like, how are you not in control? How are you not paying attention? How are you not doing that already before you do what you do? Well, it's just, that's, that's how, that's how this, you know, that's how funny the world is. You know, we, we do things out of reaction, um, or, you know, out of just mere, uh, routine, you know, like we continue to do things so much where it, it, it becomes bland and, you know, we act out in our own way. We do our own thing where it just, we start to, you know, fight, you know, against the machine per se. And we have these odd behaviors or these odd encounters. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I don't think I would have done that looking back on it again. I would do something different. You know what I mean? Um, I would handle this situation different. I would handle that, um, encounter better or whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, I, I, the reason why I look at, you know, the biological, spiritual, individual, my, my willpower, um, all that, because I use those perspectives, those standpoints, I use that data that I can, you know, obtain, and I use that to, to fight against my depression. Because at the end of the day, I, I remember, I remind myself, you know, hey, Joel, you know, at the end of the day, man, like, you know, when you start going through some things, like, really, you know, you really start going through it in the thing that I've noticed that I've done is that I freeze, you know, um, a lot of people will know that fight or flight response. And it's, it's interesting. The, the books that I've been reading lately, uh, they've, they're starting to introduce the fight or flight or freeze response. You know, that freeze wasn't really something they talked about so much when I was in school, but these newer books that I'm reading now, and it's, and it makes sense. And that's something I do. I freeze, um, you know, Literally and metaphorically speaking, I, I tend to just, you know, hold myself back and I lock up and, um, and it's tough because I, I, I lock up, <clears throat> I lock up uh, mentally and, and physically, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly in a loop in my mind thinking about what is 
you know, what, what's my current obstacle? And <clears throat> so it's, it's difficult, you know, it's, it's difficult because I'd like to solve problems. Like I'm a problem, I'm a, I'm a problem solver. Like, you know, sometimes I notice when, you know, my friends or the people close to me vent to me, I'm, I'm like, I'm quick. I'm trying to find a solution. Like, oh, this is your problem. This is the solution. Let's get this taken care of. So you can go on your merry way. And, you know, we're all at our baselines again. Um, but sometimes you, you know, sometimes it's, it's more than that. You know, even a solution is not going to solve what you're, what's going on internally and mentally, you know, like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't account for that. You know, like for example, you know, I'm, I'm starting, I, you know, I've been getting weight. I ain't going to lie. Um, but you know, like the, the solution to that is just to get on diet, start exercising. Boom. You got it. Good. Joel, do that for, you know, the next couple of months, you know, you'll go back to where you were you know, a year ago. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I want that to stick. You know, I want that to, you know, I, I want to like not go down that path and come through another hardship, you know, I mean, respectfully, you know, the pandemic was a fucking curveball, everything going on in my personal life and even my work life is just curveballs, whatever. But like what, what I'm trying to say is I, I want to better prepare myself. So in the future, when I do encounter something that's a curveball, I, I want to be ready for it. I don't want to lose track of, you know, just let it all go and freeze. And then the next, you know, I'm back to where I was at, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to solve it internally as well as externally. And, um, you know, with mental or disorders, mental illnesses, you know, I, that's, I think that's where a lot of people, you know, go wrong. Well, don't do that. You know, you know, I'm having a bad day. I've had these negative thoughts. Well, stop having negative thoughts. It's easy as one, two, three, start thinking nice things. It's, it's not as easy as that because there's, there's just so much going on. Your conscience is is you know it has a lot going on and that's not to account for your your physiological brain what's going on physiologically to make your body do to react the way it's reacting to that consciousness it's very intricate the mind is very intricate the brain is very intricate um and so it's just it's not as easy as one two three people but <clears throat> to kind of sum it all up i i use those, the biological, the spiritual individual, my willpower, um, in my past experiences and, you know, my understanding of depression to better understand it. So that way, when I encounter it, I can fight it off. I can, you know, I can stand against it and I can, you know, heal myself in a way that allows me to not have so much repercussions, have so much damage, have so much freeze time that, you know, I don't know who I am no more. I have so much, you know, at stake that I've lost. Um, cause, it's just, it, you know, it's possible, you know, you know, we all have family members or know people that are constantly trying to, you know, overcome this certain mental obstacle, but, you know, we, we're sitting on the sideline, not really understanding what they're really going through. And, and to be quite honestly, they may not even understand this. So my story with my depression is that I'm trying to understand it. So I, that way I can fight it better and and make those adjustments when I need to, when I, when I encounter a mental obstacle, when I encounter another depressive episode, I'm much better prepared to go through it in an understanding way. Cause you know, sometimes you just can't control the things that you go through and you can't control life. Absolutely. I, I didn't, I didn't fucking couldn't control 
the pandemic. There was just so much going on during the beginning of the pandemic, people. It's just crazy. I should write a book about it. But, um, you know, I, I can't control that. You know, my girlfriend had a freak accident. She broke her leg. I couldn't control that. You know, I couldn't control, you know, what insurances, you know, what doctors did and all that. I couldn't control that. Um, you know, I couldn't control my father being sick and getting cancer. I couldn't control the, you know, his healing process and if whether he was going to make it or not. I couldn't control that, you know, and some things you can't control. But, you know, if you are able to better understand what you're going through, it's, it's, it's easier to not be so hard on yourself and not be so, you know, judgmental and think that it's just my willpower. If I could just get out of bed and just go to work and just, you know, pit on a smile, I'll get through with my end of my end of the day and I'll be fine. It's, it's not, it's, it's so much more than that. And so it's just a better understanding of, okay, how am I going to get myself out of bed knowing damn well, I don't want to get out my, get out of bed. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's my story on my depression. That's my story in, in, in general. Um, so I, I want to talk to you all about just the, the definition of mental health real quick. So I just, I'm going to pull it up on Google so that way we all can look it up and be on the same page with your across the world or wherever you're at. So uh, Google's definition um, defined by the Oxford languages, mental health is a noun, a person's condition with regards to their physiological, sorry, <laughs> the psychological and emotional well-being. All this pressure seems to be affecting his mental health. Yes, they're talking about Joel's mind. Well, so your your psychological well-being. Um, something that we're still breaking stigma to. It's something that not everyone really understands. Hell, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Even the professionals are having debates about psychology, about depression, about all the illnesses and consciousness, what does what, what goes where, how do we heal, what's the best, it's still being figured out, people, um, and that's, it's, it's bittersweet, because, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we don't also, we don't have all the answers, so, um, mental health is, is something that we're still uh, revitalizing, and, and trying to accept in society, it wasn't long ago um, that people that were autistic or schizophrenic or having like just severe psychosis, they were locked up and treated, I would say, worse than prisoners. They were treated as, you know, you know, second grade human beings. And this wasn't like the the nineteen uh, like eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds. This was like nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. This was less than a hundred years ago that these 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 poor individuals were grouped up in insane, insane asylums and being hosed down by just super high pressured water, being raped and abused and harassed and just being tortured. And so mental mental health, I, just overall, it's still being accepted and being understood in society and. We all know there's racism out there. There's biases out there. Mental is, is part of that, just that that negative toxicity that we're breaking these habits and going against the grain of what we've been told. So, yeah, I just 
you know, I want to, I want to share that with y'all because that's not something that everyone knows unless you are familiar with that background. Um, real quick side story. I, uh, <clears throat> I used to work as a caregiver uh, back in the day when I was in school and, uh, the clients that I took care of, they were, they were vulnerable adults. And those same adults were those same individuals that I'm talking about that were thrown in insane asylums. There was this one client of mine, uh, that shared a story that he, you know, I, you know, confidential reasons, I'm not going to say any names or anything like that, but, um, this, this poor individual, um, you know, he's, he's very limited with his capabilities. He, he needed assistance in, in being bathed. Um, during that time and during that time, what they would do was they would just throw them in the tub. And one time he shared an experience that they would basically boil the water super hot and just throw them in there. And mind you, this, this particular individual is not suitable to swim. It's not suitable to flow. It's not suitable to do anything like that. He's, he shouldn't be in a bathtub by himself or, you know, even, with assistance is it's not the best or ethical way or efficient uh, efficient way you know for him to bathe but he had shared stories of where he would essentially be thrown in boiling water and just be left there and it's just it's just sad it's, it's disheartening it's you know it's it's just it's it's disgusting and um you know that's why it's important for us to talk about this it's important for us to get that knowledge out there to get that you know, because, you know, for all that we know, someone on the other side of the world could be going through that right now. And, you know, it's important to me to share that with y'all so that y'all have a better understanding of where and why mental health and understanding these illnesses and the way we progressed as uh, as a society to understand this is not at its, it's not at its peak. It's not perfected and we don't have all the answers, but we definitely have made progress, but we are still needing to break some, some boundaries and some stigmas. So with that, it was a perfect segue into, uh, the word mental illness. When I, you know, when I would read up on mental illness, it's such a negative word. Like it's such a negative connotation in my opinion. You know, I just, that's just me throwing that out there. That's Joel's mind for you. When I used to think of mental illness, like it's such a negative connotation like who wants to be ill who wants to be sick like i don't want to be sick you know what i mean like we try to stay away from people that have a cold and a flu and we all know that that's gonna be you're gonna be you're gonna be fine in a couple weeks and so like mental illnesses that's why you will hear me trip up say mental illness mental disorder because still word that i'm you know i'm still understanding and i'm still learning um and one way i i over you know I, i guess not overcome it because you know, I wouldn't say like I'm still mental illness is not the perfect word I would describe it, but it's not the worst word. You know, it's better than being ins- called insane or, you know, psychotic or crazy. Um, but I've learned that mental illness is, is it's fitting because if you do think of a mental illness as a as a common cold, as you know, of you know allergies or uh, just a, a sickness, you know, you, you think of it that way. People that have a cold or a flu or something along the lines of that, most likely they're going to be fine at the end of it all. They're going to be able to come out of it and not be sick anymore. And I've learned that that's very similar with, you know, mental illnesses all around. I mean, unless, you know, you, obviously you're, it's, it's severe. Um, but I mean, even then, yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to be sick forever. Um, 
I wholeheartedly believe in, you know, complete rehabilitation in terms of, you know, not having to be on um, antidepressants or medications. Not saying that they're a bad thing, but, um, you know, I, I do believe people are, are strong enough to learn their mental illness and combat it in the way that best is suitable for them, whether that's a combination of both, you know, having to be on medication forever or, you know, having to be on medication momentarily. But what I'm trying to say is uh, mental illness, the word itself, if you think of it in a sense that, you know, like me recently, you know, I've had a couple depressive illnesses where I was not doing too hot, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm still here. I'm, and I'd be, I, you know, I shouldn't even say that I'm still here, but I'm, I'm not where I was when I was going through all that. And it's just a better understanding for me to look at the word overall and not have so much of a negative connotation anymore. You know, I, I can talk on mental illnesses and not be like, Ooh, ew. where's my mask? You know what I mean? So just food for that. Um, so I want to kind of spread a little awareness about some common, um, mental illnesses that are out there. Um, these, uh, common mental illnesses are described by the national Alliance of mental illnesses. So our mental illness, national Alliance on mental illness. So, uh, these are what they describe as uh, common. I'm going to go ahead and re read these definitions and we're going to talk about them, but I'm also going to include a link in the bio. So if you want to, you know, learn more about a certain uh, mental illness or, you know, some symptoms or whatever, it has all the information on that. So I will go ahead and, and tag that along. So first and foremost, everyone's favorite anxiety disorders. What they define as anxiety disorders as everyone can experience anxiety, but when symptoms are overwhelming and constant, often impacting everyday living, it may be an anxiety disorder. All right, moving on to attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, which I swear, I think I, I might just have ADHD. ADHD is a developmental disorder defined by inattention, trouble staying on task, listening, disorganization, losing materials and hyperactivity impulsivity such as fidgeting difficulty difficulty staying seated or waiting all right bipolar disorder bipolar disorder causes dramatic shifts in a person's mood energy and ability to think clearly individuals with this disorder experience extreme high and low moods known as mania and depression some people can be symptom free for years between episodes Going back to, you know, I, I agree that people are able to combat their mental illness their own way, you know, and just that definition alone. Some people can be symptom free for many years between episodes. You know, it's, we're, we're on this, we're on this earth for more than just five, 10 years. You know what I mean? And that's why it's important for me. And I believe it's important for everyone else to understand these mental illnesses and these mental disorders. So that way, when it it does arise and it will arise in the future it's we're beta, we're able to you know kind of sit in it go through it without being deeply affected by it all right moving forward borderline personality disorder borderline personality disorder is characterized by a pattern of instability in emotions commonly referred to as dysregulation in a personal relationships and self-image 
Individuals with borderline personality disorder can also struggle with impulsivity and self-harm. All right. And your boy's personal illness, depression. Depression involves recurrent, severe periods of clear-cut changes in mood, thought processes, and motivation lasting for a minimum of two weeks. Changes in thought processes typically include negative thoughts and hopelessness. Depression also involves involves affects sleeps uh, affects sleep, energy, appetite, or weight. This one, I've I've gone through it enough times to know that I've definitely experienced disassociation. Um, so this is disassociative disorders. Disassociative disorders, which are frequently associated with trauma, disrupt every area of psychological functioning, consciousness, memory, identity, emotion, motor, control, and behavior. I highly recommend looking up disassociative disorder if you experience a lot of uh, daydreaming or um, just not being present and completely zoning out and being spaced out. Um, I'm, I recently learned more about it and it's helped me understand myself. Eating disorders. Eating disorders are characterized by in, intentional changing of food consumption to the point where physical health or social behaviors are affected. <sighs> yeah. I love food. Just had to say, obsessive compulsive disorder. OCD involves persistent intrusive thoughts, obsessions, and repetitive behaviors that a person feels driven to perform. Parentheses, compulsions, in response to those thoughts. All right. Another very known common po- uh, post traumatic stress disorder. PTSD involves a set of psychological and physiological responses. It can occur in people with who have experienced or witnessed a traumatic event such as a natural disaster, a series, a serious accident, a terrorist act, rape, a war, combat, or something similar. Sorry, Siri popped up on my phone. Just trying to say hi. <clears throat> Psychosis. Psychosis is characterized as disruptions to a person's thoughts and perceptions that make it difficult for them to recognize what is real and what isn't. Talk about hallucinating a little bit. Schizo, schizoaffective disorder. Schizoaffective disorder involves symptoms of schizophrenia, such as hallucinations or delusions, and symptoms of a mood disorder, such as depressive or manic episodes. Schizophrenia. Now, that has its own definition. Schizophrenia interferes with a person's ability to think clearly, manage emotions, make decisions, and relate to others. It also causes people to lose touch with the reality, often in the form of hallucinations and delusions. All right. So National Alliance on Mental Illness, if you want to look it up and read more about it, I will add that in the link in the bio description, whatever. Um, So real quick, raise your hand if you heard me read those and you're like, damn, I think I have all of that. Yeah, me too. So um, the reason why I want to bring that up is because, you know, these illnesses, these this, these those, these disorders are, in my opinion, in Joel's mind, I can't be seen in our day to day behaviors with other people, or in 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 other people as well. Um, 
And how so? Let's go ahead and start with number one, anxiety. Um, we all have anxiety and, you know, to the point of severity, when you have anxiety that prevents you to be able to, to complete a task or make a decision or, you know, act in a way that is you or not you, I should say, then, you know, that's, that's, you know, we, we, we encounter anxiety and, you know, I'm not saying that everyone has a mental disorder. I'm not saying everyone is, uh, you know, ill with anxiety, but we all experience anxiety. So we should all have a commonality when it comes to anxiety. Some anxiety is more severe than others where it literally prevents them from stepping outside of a room. Now, when you experience anxiety, it's real. It's, it's, it's something that's preventing you from making a decision or you're worrying about something that you start to have a panic attack. It happens. Um, social anxiety, you know, you sometimes, you know, people feel pressured into drinking because they feel like that's what they have to do. And they have that pressure. That's social anxiety of, you know, you know, having to fit in or wanting to fit in or doing something that you don't necessarily want to do. Um, but also being in, in groups of crowds, uh, you know, or being at a party. Have you ever been at a party and been like, damn, dude, everyone's thinking, or everyone's looking at me right now. Everyone's looking at me right now. Everyone's talking about me right now. I feel like that person looking at me is looking at me for a reason. That's social anxiety. Um, when does that usually happen? Probably happens when you go to a new place that you've never been before and you're, you're there for your first time. Or you maybe just got done smoking a blunt in the next room and all of a sudden the atmosphere is different. Social anxiety. Um, so yeah, you know, I just want to, I want to talk about this because I don't feel like people, they look at anxiety, uh, stress are, you know, these disorders and illnesses as like, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm untouchable. I don't have that. You know, so some people don't even understand that they do have it, but they've just never had this conversation. So, you know, they don't know how to relate it or, you know, piece it together. So attention deficit hyperactivity, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, we all get distracted. We all lose focus at some point, you know, and especially when we're going through something like if we're really stressed out or really worried about something being distracted and fidgety, it's all signs of uh, also anxiety, but being under stress, under pressure. Um, so of course, you know, there is that the severe spectrum where, you know, having ADHD, you, you know, there's people that are, they, they literally can't focus or go about their day unless they're fidgeting, you know, that's, you know, that's on the severe spectrum. But for some, uh, for some of us, or most of us, I should say, where we experience, you know, stress, and then we're just nervous, you know, you know, I, I, I would say nervousness is a very smaller symptom or uh, sign of ADHD. Not that you have ADHD again, you know, it's just this, these are the, the misconceptions. Oh, I don't have ADHD or, or, you know, I'm untouchable. I, you know, I don't have that. Well, have you ever been ex nervous or, um, you know, excited for something that you just couldn't stop? You're, you know, you're talking fast, you're pacing back and forth, you know, that is a small experience of what someone that has ADHD is kind of going through, but of course, different spectrum, different scale, but we're not untouchable. We're human. It's all part of our, uh, it's all part of our biological and physiological structure. It's, that's normal. It's, we, we fidget and we do stuff to help calm ourselves down. 
you know, so I'm, so I'm just spreading the awareness is what we're doing right now. Bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder causes dramatic shifts in a person's mood, energy, and ability to think clearly. Individuals with this disorder experience extreme high and low moods. I, you know, we all are bipolar to some degree. You know what I mean? You know, how many times have we woken up, gone to bed, hated the world, once we got some breakfast in us, once we washed our face, did our little routine, we're ready for the day. Got some coffee in us, got some caffeine, boom, high and low. You know what I mean? Low and high. It happens. Um, so, yeah, you know, and we all know how that one coworker that we're just like, uh, Jill over there, she's a she's a tough one to handle. Just, just on, just, I'm just joshing you. All right. Borderline personality disorder characterized by a pattern of instability and emotions, um, interpersonal relationships and self image. We all go through this people. Everyone, most of us has gone through high school. We all had been worried about what we thought uh, or what people thought of us and how we were portrayed in the society of high school. So can we, sit here and say we all have borderline personality disorder no but if we're sitting here thinking about our image and trying to fit in um and we're just having stable emotions because we're hormonal and going through changes it's you know similar you know what i mean again of course you know uh bipolar or borderline personality disorder if you're if it's you're actually diagnosed with it it's, it's something much more intense um but for those like myself, where, you know, you're experiencing something, but you're not diagnosed with it severely. You know, I just want to point out the similarities that we go through with someone that may have it on a severe spectrum. All right. Depression. I could talk, I could talk about this all day. Um, you know, I'm not going to read the definition because like I said, I could talk about this all day. Ever been sad, ever been, you know, upset or disappointed or let down or just unmotivated, just gone through something just very energy draining depression. It That's, you know, that's what it is. It's, you know, it puts you in a, on an unmotivated, you know, scale where you're, it's just, it's just hard to do things. You know, I've ever had your heart broken. We all have our heart broken. Ever lost a friend. Um, to some drama or, you know, to real life, like, you know, going through that loss, going through that pain, it's just, it's just mind bottling, you know, that's a form of depression. Um, so yeah, so depression, you know, we, we've all experienced it to some degree. Um, again, you know, it may not be major depressive disorder, but we can't sit here and say, Oh, I've never been depressed. You're lying to yourself. All right disassociative disorders. Like I said before, if you're a daydreamer, if you're sitting there thinking about, you know, something, are you, <clears throat> let me kind of describe it real quick for you. If you're sitting there and your eye vision, your vision just kind of goes blurry, but you're looking at something, but you're not looking at what you're looking at, but you're looking at whatever the direction you're looking at, but your mind is completely somewhere else. You're, you're in an imaginary world. You know what I mean? You're, you're not there. You're not present that is disassociated that's dissociation dissociating say that 10 times fast dissociating when you dissociate you're you're not present you're 
you're somewhere else. And, and the reason why people do have that people that are severely on that spectrum of being dis, uh, on a dissociative disorder or they have a dissociative disorder, it's because they are experiencing something very traumatic and venturing off in your own mind and being in an imaginary world, being somewhere where you're not in the present and you're in your conscious, through your subconscious or whatever, it, it provides a safe space for you. You don't have to deal with all the shit, all the bullshit or whatever, the negativity. We all, we all know what it was like growing up and, you know, having our parents get in a fight or being in a, in a, you know, in our friend's house and their parents were fighting. And it's, it's a scary thought. And if you allowed your mind to venture off and go somewhere else, that's disassociating. Um, kind of, you know, on a, on a very, very, um, like, minor level when you're at work you're not paying attention to the zoom meetings because let's be honest it's hard to pay attention because you're not in person but even when you are in person and you're just sitting there daydreaming about something else it's you're you're in a different environment you know so can you say you've never dissociated before i don't know you tell me all right eating disorders your boy he's dealing with that right now but of course eating disorders you know um has a lot to do with your you know your psychological your physiological well-being in terms of you know your image of what you look like what you want um if you're highly stressed um if i don't know if y'all know this but when you are experiencing high doses of cortisol what happens is your brain is essentially telling your body to hold on all the fat that it possibly can. So that way it can store that fat and then eat it later when you're not able to eat. So the reason, and I'm probably didn't explain that very good, but the reason why we have that mechanism in our body is because when we were cavemen and cavewomen back in the day, and we had to, you know, kill animals with our bare hands to eat, that was a, a survival mechanism that allowed us to store our own fat and not eat so much, but continue to store that fat so our body would eat off that. So if we didn't have a meal the next day or the next couple of days, essentially our body was eating itself to have energy and keep on moving. It's weird. The body's very intricate, very amazing, and very interesting. Um, so yes, eating disorders... You know, we we all succumb to temptation and gluttony at some point. Your mom's food, some homemade tacos. Ooh, let's go. You know what I mean? We we've experienced that. So mental health awareness, eating disorders, it happens. That's all right. Um, obsessive compulsive disorder. I'm gonna go ahead and just read this so we can recap on that. Um, OCD involves persistent intrusive thoughts and repetitive behaviors that a person feels driven to perform. Now, these are minor, and I wouldn't. I've I've talked about this in another episode. Um, OCD is something that I, it's just when it's when it's real, and it's like not that you're not, it's not real, but when it's on a serious spectrum, as in like you're literally not capable of doing anything because you have to do these rituals because you think someone is out to get you, or you think that if you don't do this, you're going to die. That's very severe. Um, but on a, you know, on a more relatable spectrum on a more relatable field, cleaning the water around the sink, I have to do it. 
have to, even if it's with toilet paper or something, I got to do it because it just, it bothers me. And I feel like when I see it, I'm like, I'm constantly thinking about it in that moment when I'm washing my face or doing my hair, I get water everywhere. I, I just, it, I wish I was better at it, but I'm not. And so when I see it, as I'm doing there, washing my hair, washing my face, doing whatever, letting my fucking charcoal mask do his thing. You know, I'm looking at the water. I'm like, I need to clean it. I need to clean it. And so there I go. I clean it. Or let's go, let's go with your mom's pet peeve. Having the toilet seat up. Your mom's going to see your toilet seat up and she's going to be like, boy, put that motherfucking toilet seat down. I bet you she's sitting there thinking about it and thinking about it. Ooh, I'm going to say something. I'm just going to put it down. I can't. I'm going to say, you know, that, the, that repetitive behavior is, you know, Boy, put the toilet seat down next time you're using the restroom. You know, OCD. Uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, involves a set of psychological and physiological responses. It can occur in people who have experienced witnessed a traumatic event such as a natural disaster, serious accident, terrorist act, rape, war, combat, or something similar. Now, I'm going to tread lightly on this one just because... You know, PTSD, is, it's it's not something, it's just, uh, there's a lot of different severe cases on it, but PTSD, when you've worked for someone that's toxic, worked for someone um, that was, or just been around someone that was mean and a bully, you you react a certain way. Your, your breath's become short, you know what I mean? Remember when school, or even now, you got to deal with a bully or you got to deal with someone that is just very aggressive or just you got to be on edge. You know, I, I, I would say that is a very, a very slight form of PTSD. You start to tense up, you start to react, you start to remember, you know, how things are going to go. Now, to kind of further explain that one situation where someone was picking on you or, or you know, being aggressive towards you or being mean to you, belittling you. Now, you could be in a completely different situation and react the way you did that very first time because that other situation that's not the same but similar, that environment, those those factors are making you feel small or making you feel tense or making you react physiologically where you're not able to breathe, you feel like you're claustrophobic, you're starting to get hot and starting to get sweaty. That's all physiological responses. That's That's what you know, PTSD is like, so, I mean, very, again, very small, very minor, it, you know, that's the way I would describe it, but of course, PTSD on a severe spectrum is having nightmares, night terrors, not being able to do things, um, because you can, you can hear a book slam on the desk or on the floor, and you're gonna, you're, you're gonna shit your pants, because it's gonna take you back to a war zone, and you thought it was a gunshot, and your body physically responded by shitting, I'm not even making this shit up. This is a real story. I've been told by a vet. And so, again, severe cases, but, you know, we're trying to bring awareness to mental health illnesses and our day-to-day lives. Psychosis, schizophrenia, I'm just going to lump it all together. Psychosis and schizophrenia is, you know, kind of being delusional, not having... um you know, not being able to pick apart reality and whatnot. We all have that friend that swears they be doing something or saying something, but the motherfucker be lying. Or, you know, we hear something different from what someone said. Someone could say, you know, 
orange and what they really said was door hinge and you know you swear you heard something different would that be described as being delusional not you know hearing something different than what the reality was you know or how about you know let's take it a little further you know having a disagreement with someone and having an altercation with someone and that person is saying you did this and you said this but the other person is saying you know that's not what i said and that's not what i meant it you know, at that point, are we delusional? Is our anger being getting the best of us? Are we not being able to agree on what was reality? Psychosis, schizophrenia, you know. Or how about when we are up late at night and we think we can see something in the corner of our eye? Hallucinating. I've done it. I've had it happen before. I swear I've seen this old, like, old-style lady with those the, the dresses where, like, they had, like, the big dress thing going on and like yeah old 1800s looking ass dress i had this, this lady i swear walked in my parents room it was like you know one o'clock in the morning i was a kid and i was watching her playing video games something and i swear that corner of my eye seemed like this figure that figure walks in my parents room i'm like all right it's time for me to go to bed so if you ever experienced that you know i'm I, what i'm trying to say is you may experience a very slim form of mental illness, mental disorder, whatever you like to describe or call it. All right. So to wrap it all up, the reason why I'm explaining this to you um, is so that we can help better understand ourselves, most importantly, but also understand the people around us. You know, not I'm not sitting here telling you to go and start labeling everyone and start diagnosing people. You got this. You got that. You got this. No, what I'm trying to say is that we're all human. We're all still understanding what it means to be human and what our, our minds are capable of doing. And if we're able to understand, you know, mental illness um, on, a, on a spectrum that it's, it's accepted in society where it's not such taboo and such a negative connotation and such a inferior trait, then maybe we can live in a better world. So, um, to wrap it up, I want to leave you guys with some, uh, things to help maintain your mental health. Um, you know, as, as again, it's mental health awareness. So, you know, the good and the bad, the bad and the good, how to maintain your mental health. Uh, for starters, there's no, uh, significant order. I'm just, I, you know, just going to go ahead and go one and done and all that good stuff. All right. Surround yourself with people that make you feel good, that you enjoy, that make you feel happy. So that way you're not in a toxic environment, an environment that you feel that you're on edge, that your, your palms are always sweaty and you're short in breath. That's stress, you know, that's anxiety. Don't surround yourself with people that are constantly making you feel that way or making you feel like you need to, to attack. You need to have a split personality disorder and, you know, have a high and a low mood. And you know what I mean? You, you surround yourself with good people that are kind, that are caring, that support you and have you in your best interests. All right. Two, practice, practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is being present in the present moment. So taking the time to meditate, I highly recommend you download the Headspace app. I have it on my phone. I've been using it. Um, when I downloaded it, and, you know, the times that I've stopped doing it and I started doing it again, it's helped me be, uh, you know, be present in the moment by focusing on my breath, you know, focusing on my body, focusing on the surroundings near me, the sounds, all that good stuff. You can even be mindful while you're eating. 
you know, slowly chewing the, the, the food, tasting everything, trying to, you know, break apart, you know, this is a carrot, this is salt, this is pepper, this is, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? And mindfulness, practicing that allows us to be present in the moment and get us out of our minds, especially if we're working hard and diligently and we're constantly on the go. Take a break, take a moment to do some mindfulness. Number three, give yourself, give yourself as in volunteer, give yourself to, um, you know, a friend or family, help someone out, do something kind for someone, um, with your good gracious, with no expectations in return, just from the kindness of your heart that helps us feel good about ourselves, gives us self-confidence, give us purpose. It helps us just feel better about ourselves. And again, do it selflessly, do it with love, do it with kindness, do it graciously. And, uh, it will make you feel so much more better. Um, especially if you're, you know, down the dumps or going through some things, physical activity, huge physical activity, drinking water, having, um, better eating habits, a good diet, a diet, just even in general, just something you're eating consistently. That's not, you know, greasy, full of fats, full of um, like bad fats. You know what I mean? Just over excessive on stuff. So this is huge. You know, it, a lot of mental illnesses, mental disorders that I've learned in, you know, in school, uh, physical activity, you know, diets, they really help overall. Um, even just with, uh, disabilities, you know, um, some people are gluten sensitive. Some people, um, you know, they're, you know, they, they are better off on another diet versus like a high protein diet. Um, believe it or not, uh, the brainwash book that I've referenced in, you know, my previous podcast or episodes, um, the keto ketogenic diet has helped people with cerebral palsy, um, and people with seizures. Um, there's a patient of David, um, Pearl mutter, I believe that's his name. Um, he had his client go on a ketogenic diet, whatever, keto diet, and she virtually has had not has had any um, seizures by being on a diet. So learn yourself, people. Learn what is your, uh, it's in your best interest, what's sensitive to your stomach, what makes you inflamed, um, all that good stuff. And physical activity, um, absolutely, it just helps overall, helps um, with your focus, helps with your energy levels. It helps your brain reconstruct itself, believe it or not. Um, and water, we're 9% of our body, 7%, whatever the statistic is, we're made of water. Water contributes to a lot. Um with our fluids, our, our chemical, um, brain stuff that's going all up in there. Um, digesting stuff, um, our organs it takes care of a lot of that. Um, so making sure you have water, making sure you're drinking water and eating and, and exercising really makes a difference, really helps with the mental health. Sleep. Sleep is probably the most underestimated contributive factor to a lot of mental health problems. Sleep. Sleep is huge. Um, it's just, and being in America, living in the good old US of A, um, it just, we're workaholics. We're born and bred to work. Um, it's quite honestly bullshit. Um, and it needs to change, but sleep, we don't sleep, man. Um, I got a nine to five. It's 1130 at night. I'm making this episode. I'm going to be lucky enough to get about six and a half hours of sleep. But sleep is super underestimated. 
Uh, don't count yourself on sleep. And if you do, make it up. All right. Take a nap. Don't let society tell you that you're lazy if you take naps. That's bullshit. Some of the most successful people out there take naps because they know that their brain needs that energy to finish out their day. So take naps. Don't take too long of a nap or you're, you're going to be kicking yourself like every college student out there where, you know, a 20 minute nap turns into a five hour nap and now it's 10 o'clock and you didn't do anything. All right. So sleep. Taking a break without guilt. Now, this is huge. And this is something I've been doing. Um, for those of you that are dedicated followers of Joel's Mind, I've been kind of away from posting and stuff like that. We're kind of taking a break. Lots been going on. We just got a dog. We rescued him. Shout out to Legend. And, um, you know, there's just there's a lot going on in Joel's Mind. And as much as it was killing me because you know we good old usa um behaviors is me needing to work and me needing to continue to you know put content out there decided to take a little break you know and it, and it was literally a little break it wasn't nothing severe um but you know it's all good that was it was something i was able to take a break and you know i i got better at not being so guilty about it but i also you know i'm not perfect at it you know what i mean it's all a work in progress people you know, so taking that break helped me just give myself my energy, that direction, that, um, that mental clarity that I needed to bounce back and go ahead and, and take care of what I need to take care of. So give yourself a break without guilt, without making yourself feel like you're scum, that you're lazy, that you're just unworthy because it's bullshit. Don't, don't listen to yourself. That's talking shit to you. It's, it's just what we've been told by society. So take a break without guilt, allow yourself to do that and then go back to what you got to do. All right. Gratitude. Gratitude is huge. Mental health. It, it helps when you're grateful for stuff. If you're constantly being a negative Nancy, um, just a poor sport about life and you're always talking shit. It's not, it's not helpful for your brain. It's not helpful for your relationships. It's not helpful for your, your blood pressure, your stress. It's not helpful. So, Sit there and say something that's nice. Say how much you're grateful for whatever it is. Your your parents, your guardians, your your work, your your partner, your new uh rescued eight year old puppy. You know what I mean? So just say what you're grateful for. You you'll be amazed by how your attitude changes and your your outlook is a lot less aggressive and intense, especially when you're having a bad day. Um, and sometimes you just got to remind yourself that, you know, you're blessed, you know, you know, some days are harder than other days, but at the end of the day, we're still blessed. All right. Number nine, accepting who you are and where you are. This one's huge. Accepting who you are and where you are in life and what you got going on. I'm going to be real with you. I, I wish I was making some money off this podcast, but you know, your boys, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm barely scratching the surface, so I got to accept that, but I got to accept that this is part of the journey. You know what I mean? The episodes that I got going on, the mistakes, the times that I didn't show up, the times that I am showing up, the times that I've been shouted out by The Rock and got followed by Miss Rose Nama Yunus. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got to accept where I'm at and what comes out of that. All right. So um, accept where you're at in life. Accept what you got going on, where you're at. If you're not where you're at, where you want to be, just accept that you're on your way to getting where you need to be. All right. 
and remind yourself, give yourself a pat on the back. Let yourself know that you're doing a good job and that you're capable of getting where you need to be and where you want to be. Number 10, express yourself, people. Express yourself. This will help you so much, so many different ways. When you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling frustrated, or you're feeling sad, or you're feeling you know, hopeless, or just going through the woes of life, express it. Express that shit, baby. Let that shit be heard. Let that shit be known, whether it's talking to someone, writing it out, making a poem about it, rapping about it, doing something to allow you to express what's going on internally. You know, sometimes you got to get that shit out. It's like tears. You know, tears, they feel good when you let it out. You know what I mean? It doesn't always look good, um, but it feels good afterwards. You know, just let it out. Expressing yourself, learning how to express yourself. It's huge, especially in relationships, and you know, in the work environment, communication is key. And if you're able to express yourself in a way that's constructive, that's not toxic and not, um, you know, abusive by all means, you're better off and the people around you are better off. So allow yourself to express yourself, allow yourself to be vulnerable, you know, and, and accept where you're at. If you're not, if you're Mr. Macho or Mrs. Macho and you're just like, I, I don't like doing that, accept that you're going to take it slow and that, you know, you are willing to open up and be vulnerable and just, you know, keep swinging at it like a tree and keep hacking at it. And one day motherfucker's going to come down and you're going to be woke. All right. And last but not least, I don't have mental health awareness month. I had to save this one for last. Do not be afraid to ask for help, people. Do not be afraid to reach out, talk to a friend, talk to a family member, and definitely do not be ashamed or feel guilty or feel weird or feel less than for calling a therapist. Um, there's there's a lot of resources out there, people. Do not be afraid to reach out. Do not be afraid to look up stuff. And, you know, I mean wisely look up stuff and don't uh, diagnose yourself or self-diagnose. Don't, I'm not encouraging anyone to do that, but I'm encouraging you to get the help that you need because you deserve it. You deserve to live a life with abundance and joy and fulfillment and purpose. You deserve a life that is going to let you get up out of bed voluntarily. Okay. Don't be afraid to ask for help. All right. Real quick. Throughout this whole journey of what was going on with my pops, he, me, I was going through it really, really bad. And I actually, your boy called two different therapists during this time. And I left voicemails is the very first times that I called voicemails, voice messages. <laughs> I've left voicemails both times when I, I called initially and both times I didn't get a call back. Yeah. So, I, you know, forewarning, keep calling, keep trying. But what I did was I ended up talking to a very close friend of mine and you know, it was equivalent to speaking with the therapist. Um, I just was going through it and, you know, having someone there to talk to and just, you know, be vulnerable and just be able to like, look, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's going on in Joel's mind. And this is how I'm feeling. And, you know, I, I don't really feel like I can talk to anyone else, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you and, you know, I've, it just helped me out so tremendously that I will encourage you just to talk to anyone and don't be afraid to reach out. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Of course, know who, know who your audience is, know who you're talking to, but 
you know, don't be afraid to get the help that you need because, you know, we can go our whole lives being miserable until we finally let it out. And then that day will be the day that we get, we get to live the rest of our life. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and end the episode with a poem that I made last year um, with a friend of mine. Um, the, the poem is me. The poem is about my depression and all that good stuff. So in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some insights, and I hope we broke some barriers today and broke some stigmas. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to give your boy some feedback, Follow your boy on Instagram at Joel's Mind Official, on Twitter at Joel's underscore mind. Follow your boy on uh, YouTube. I'll link my YouTube channel link down below. And the comments are in the whatever description. And YouTube, since you're there watching me, smash that subscribe button, like the video, comment, tell me what you like, tell me what you didn't like, tell me what you've diagnosed yourself by watching this video. All right. I appreciate you guys tuning in and I hope you enjoy the poem and I hope you do what you got to do to take care of yourself and your mind. All right. Joel loves you. Y'all take care. Have a good night. Good morning and good evening. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon. The other day I had a battle with depression and I won. It's not easy to talk about the things we don't understand, but what I do know Life should not be lived in a dark hollow shell of ourselves. The other day I beat depression, but my opponent and I know that this is a war. Time and time again we face each other in a mirror of deceit held hostage. Depression. Depression is like holding yourself hostage. The mind and soul is affixated. Our limbs and lips move, but it's hard to voice the unseen battle. I visited my mom's the other day. She asked me how I was doing, and I Hesitated as I caught the choke up, flooded my eyes before they opened up, and said everything was okay. It's not easy to talk about the things we don't understand. Depression. Depression is like holding yourself hostage. I took a drive to ease my mind and allowed my eyes to scream. Mercy. It was then I knew I had won. For three days I was held captive by the invisible enemy. Stuck in a limbo, I broke free of the ropes, unshackled the chains, and took back the empty vessel that was my brain. You see, the good fight is the fight within ourselves, and on that day, I fought myself for myself. Disrupting the routine like a deadly virus, I took off my mask and freed my silence. Speaking that everything was going to be okay in existence, and I believed it. Using the light of my life to push the shadows away. The enemy retreated back to the dark place it came from. This episode ended with a hopeful beginning, but not every episode ends that way. More than 800,000 people die from suicide every year worldwide. That's twice as many deaths than homicides, which tells me we think more about killing ourselves than we do other people. Normalize this conversation so that we can keep our friends and family together with us. Thank you. <laughs>